May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. So I don't know if you felt this way hearing it this morning, but our text from the letter to the Hebrews, to me, reads as refreshingly practical. It's a kind of holy to-do list for the community to which the writer is writing, full of direct, specific advice and exhortation about how to live as people of faith, which the Bible does not always give us, right? The Bible, because it is such a vast array of genre written across hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, is not often this direct. But in the letters or epistles in the New Testament that we hear in liturgy, usually for us the second reading after the psalm, most of the time are just that. They are letters. They are ancient correspondences written to people, real groups of people, real early Christian communities with real specific circumstances shaping their daily lives. And these letters, while they are indeed filled with deeply thoughtful and complex theological arguments and sweeping narratives of God's redemptive work in the world, certainly this is true in the letter to the Hebrews as we've heard in these last few weeks, they also often kind of take this turn at the end toward the practical because they are indeed addressed to people. You'll hear even in Paul's letters sometimes uh, specific little hellos uh, to people that he knows or knows of in these different cities around Asia Minor or the Mediterranean that were the sites of some of these earliest Christian communities. So in Hebrews, when that turn to the practical comes today, the letter writer has this to say in light of everything that they have just said. Let love for one another continue. Be sure to care for the foreigner in your midst, the migrant and the refugee, the displaced, that person without a home. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them and those who are being tortured as if you yourself were also being tortured. Hold a high regard for the fidelity of marriage. Take that seriously. Keep your lives free of the love of money and imitate your leaders, whoever they are. Um, it says, whoever is that person, those people who first spoke the word of God to you. So this is a pretty good list, right? One that I think we, if we kept it in mind, probably um, would be on the right track. It would be a good one to have as a standby to check and see how we're doing as a Christian community, maybe much like this early one uh, to which this person writes. I want to highlight, though, that even in this list of practical to-do list items, we still have some very important theological truths being very subtly communicated. Particularly, I think this bit about remember those who are in prison, as though you were in prison with them, those who are being tortured, as though you yourself were being tortured. A more literal translation of that same text is something like this. Remember those in prison as if you were bound with them, those being tortured as if you were in their bodies, as though you were bound with those in prison, as though you were in the body of that person being tortured. Christians are called 
to a life of radical empathy, one that sees the suffering of others and must act upon it. Christians are people who know something about being a body, this mystical body of Christ, of which we say that we are all a part and in which no person is superfluous, no one is extra. Everyone matters because every human being created in God's own image matters. And so, as we hear in Hebrews, we as Christian people are to make a habit of taking on and helping to bear the burdens of others, even as others are to be doing the same for us, taking on and helping us to bear our own burdens. And you know, some of these burdens are certainly emotional and interpersonal, having to do with our personal or family lives between one another at work or at school, maybe at church, just in day-to-day life. That's absolutely part of this. But it's also about societal burdens, burdens that we carry together as a society. A Christian society would be one in which, what does the writer to the Hebrews say? It would be one in which we felt the needs of the least and last most acutely, that policy was attuned directly to those very needs, that we would feel the need for relief, for forgiveness, deep in our bodies, as if perhaps we're the ones who need it, but regardless, um, whoever receives that kind of relief, we should celebrate it when we see it happening for our fellow members of the body and not resent it. The parable Jesus teaches in Luke's gospel today, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or rich people or your relatives. Um, Don't invite anybody like that. Instead, invite the poor. Invite those who have no way to ever pay you back. These are the ones through whom you will truly be blessed, through whom a society would truly be blessed if those who cannot pay anything back are welcomed to that table. Because we are the body of Christ, we who through Christ, who lived and died for all of humanity, are all connected, all interdependent as children of God. We must be people who feel the pain of others, as if it were our own, because in a way it is our own. And there is profound freedom in living a life this way, a life that opens us up out of ourselves and toward someone else, toward something greater, a life that leads to generosity and abundance and love in action, love that makes moves in this world, not passively but actively, love as a verb. We are called, friends, you and me, to follow Christ in this very way of love. And as we follow him in this way, we know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. We know and we trust, and we will have no fear. Amen.